on and, um, and looking at the book of John. We're going to get all of our technology figured out here. And mics turn on, cameras turn on. <laughs> it's good. Last week I said as we approach the Gospel of John that we need to make sure that we're wrapping our mind around what John is writing in a way that gives us great understanding. And John gives us one verse that I am going to just hammer on because I think that when he gives it to us, he's saying, hey, I want you to read it the way I wrote it. And the way I wrote it is John 20, verse 31. So you will. Turn over to John 30, verse 21. I told you last week that by the time we are done, my prayer is that you have this verse memorized. Which verse again? You said 20 and 30. John 20, verse 31. I'll get it right. John 20, verse 31. And it says this, But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. Talked about last week that John is saying, hey, I wrote this. I wrote this so that you will know with no doubt whatsoever, you, whatsoever in your mind that you will know that Jesus is the Christ. That He is the Son of God. And that believing in His name, you will have life. And that's how we need to read the book of John. Is that He wrote it so that we will know that Jesus is the Christ. So, join me to John 1. John 1. And last week we read the whole chapter, and this week we're going to read some of it as we work our way through it. John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made, without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out, saying, this was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. 
For the law was given through Moses. Grace and, the, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made Him known. And this was John's testimony. When the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask Him who He was, He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Christ. They asked Him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you a prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I'm the voice of one calling in the desert. Make straight the ways for the Lord. Now some Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied. But among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me. The thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. We'll stop there for today. And where I'm going to start at is verse 7. But before we go there, let's go to him in prayer. Father God, I just pray that we gain understanding through this Gospel of John. That we gain understanding as to to who you are. God, I don't want it to just be something that we think about, but it's something that we know that you are the Son of God. You are the Christ. And life is in you and only in you. God, I thank you for this teaching. And I pray that it is your truth that is spoken this morning. God, open up our hearts so that we can hear your words. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So verse 7 says, A man came, one sent from God. And his name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. I want to make sure that we're all on the same page as we enter this Gospel of John. That this John that is talking about is absolutely John the Baptist, and that it is not the author, the Apostle John. You see, as John writes this, he never addresses himself by his name, ever. So anytime we see the name John in the book of John, it is absolutely always John the Baptist. You know, it's kind of crazy in this... Uh, him never identifying himself by name. When we think about John the Apostle, he was, I, in my mind, one of the three most intimate friends of Jesus. But he never identifies himself as John. I think that even proves more that he is the author of this gospel. It gives us even more to know that. But I love the way that he leads into the introduction of John the Baptist. He says, a man... A man came, one sent from God. As a precursor to Jesus. John must have bear witness to his, uh, or to, to Jesus, the Messiah, in all of this, the Son of God. And I find it amazing here that 
In John's ministry, the 400 years of silence that was going on from the end of the Old Testament period to the New Testament, where God had given no revelation at all, now stops. A man sent by God. God Himself sent John the Baptist and it broke the silence. Verse 7 and 8, He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through Him. He was not the light, but He came to testify about the light. What am I saying that? Stay tuned. <laughs> We're going to jump into John the Baptist next week. As we continue on in some scriptures, we're really going to get to look at it. So I say, come next week, bring a friend, and we're going to jump into John the Baptist uh, next week. So we'll move on, verse 9. It says, this was the true light, that coming into the world enlightens every person. You know, there have been a lot of people who have claimed to be gods. A lot of people who have even claimed to be saviors that uh, they may have the way to salvation. There have been a lot of life guides that have come to this world who have claimed that, but only one true light. Only one true light has ever come to this world. Jesus Christ. And this writing that we read, get to read, is proving that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And he absolutely says that he is the one true light. Now I'll tell you that um, in this verse 9, there are several different translations. Uh, it's, it's translated in many different ways. Uh, in, this, in this one scripture, verse 9, there is lots of different thoughts behind it. Maybe some different theology we can even say. So I'm going to share with you what I believe that it means. But I will ask you, seek this scripture out. See what it means to you. See what it speaks to you and what you believe that it is. I think when we look at the Greek and we break this scripture down, I think when we go to the NIV, it breaks it down pretty well. Nathan may disagree with me, but that's okay. Because <clears throat> I'm using the NIV, but... This one scripture, verse 9, does a really, the NIV does a great job of it. And the NIV says, the true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. You see, I like to think of it like this. That every person has the light of Jesus Christ shining on them. Every person has the light of Him that, that is on them, but it doesn't mean that every person has salvation. It doesn't mean that Jesus just pours the salvation on them without them accepting it. But the light shines on every person. And it doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter their race, their gender, their understanding of who God is. It doesn't matter where they live on this earth, the choices that they make in life. It doesn't matter their upbringing, their past, their future. It doesn't matter. The light of Jesus shines on them. The light of Jesus shines on them. And, and, and the one true light is for all. See, I like to think of it like this. 
by the true light shining on every person. It reveals to every person their true character, their true self. By his coming into this world as a perfect man, he has shown how imperfect we are. And that's a blessing. That's not bad. That is really good. You see, when a room is in complete darkness, you can't see the dust on all the furniture, can you? I have a particular light in my house um, that uh, I wasn't supposed to share with them. Uh, <laughs> that when the light's off, it's pretty clean. But as soon as you click that light on, you see all the imperfections of the room, don't you? You see all the dust on the furniture. You see all the Miller moss in the light, up in the light, right? As soon as the light shines on it, you can see the imperfections. That's what the light of the world has done. It's come and shown on every person so that we can see the imperfections exactly as we are. But I want us to understand that I believe that's exactly what's, what's trying to be said when it is translated, enlightens every person. Some, some versions say enlightens every person, and I think that it's saying in this, and I'm going to go with the definition of enlightened, and it says, gives someone greater knowledge or an understanding about a subject or situation, or can we simplify that by saying giving someone spiritual knowledge or insight. What do you mean when you tell somebody to shine a light of Jesus? Or tell them, go and give an understanding of who Jesus is. Go and proclaim Him either through your actions or through your words, but you're bringing knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. See, the true light shines on every person. It's just a matter of what we do with it. But hopefully, hopefully my prayer, and my prayer is, is that by that light shining on us, we will see how imperfect we are, and how perfect He is, and that we are hopeless without Him. Hopeless without Him. It is all in Him. All in Him. So we'll continue in verse 10. He said, it says, He was in the world. And the world came into being through him, and yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not accept him. What John is laying out here for us is an understanding from the time of his birth in Bethlehem until the time he went back to heaven. He was in the very same world that we live in today. The very same world, and sometimes it's hard for me to wrap my mind around this. You know, we talk about it a lot, and, and it's thrown out there, but, but do we really wrap our mind around that Jesus came in the flesh and walked on this same earth that we walk on today? In the same way that we walk on it. In the flesh. Right? But He had created this whole world. He had created the world, and it was, and he was the rightful owner of this world. But instead of recognizing him as the creator, they recognized him just as another man, 
just as another man like themselves. And they treated him like an outcast, a stranger, just like the world does today. Just like the world does today. You see, verse 11 tells us that he came into his own. He came into what was his. He wasn't trespassing. It was absolutely his. He was living on a planet that he himself had made. But his own people did not receive him. You know, in a, in a general sense, this might refer to all mankind. That most of mankind rejected him. Most of mankind did not accept him. But in a special sense, the Jewish nation has, uh, was his chosen people. He is his chosen people. But when he came into the world and presented himself to them, they rejected him. They did not accept him. Which leads to verse 12, right? Verse 12 says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now he offers himself to all mankind. To all who will receive him, to all who will believe in his name. Listen to this, the world is telling us that all that will receive Him, all that will receive Him have the right to become children of God. It's not because of us, though. It's not because of us or anything that we can do. It's not because of anything from us. It's all because the Son of God that we can become children of God. This verse clearly tells us how to become children of God. You know, I, I've heard several times in our Bible class, maybe by Larry, let's keep it simple. And I like that. Because you know what? Uh, a lot of times we try to dirty it up. We try to say we can become children of God by this and this and this and this and we keep adding to it but truly it's laid out here it's saying not by anything you do not by good works not by being a member of a church not by anything you do but all because of him all because of him you know we've got uh, two newborn babies in our church and that's quite a blessing quite a blessing those little humans had to be born to come into this world. Just as every one of us had to be born to come into this world. So it's also to become a child of God. We have to be reborn. We have to be, uh, or we can say, converted or saved. All of them work the same. Rebirth, conversion, being saved. You see, verse 13 tells us three ways that we are absolutely not saved in one way and the only way that we are saved. John says, not by blood. See, no person can gain salvation through their parents or grandparents. I don't care how much you want to save your child, you can't do it. It's not by you. It's not by generational blood. Generational blood does not save an individual. But now let me just add, 
We can sure bring the knowledge of Jesus Christ to every person, to our children. It's why I think it's important for us to do baby dedications. It's saying that, that as parents, you are going to raise your child to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And as, as a baby dedication is part of being in this church, the church is saying, you know what? We're going to help you to raise that child to know their Savior, Jesus Christ. See, I think it's important that uh, we make sure our children and our grandchildren know Jesus. And that doesn't save them. It's their choice to be saved. It's their choice to make at the appropriate time if they accept Jesus or not. See, uh, John also tells us, nor the will of the flesh. In other words, a person does not have the power to save themselves, no matter how hard they try, no matter how much they want it, they can't do it themselves. Now we have to be willing. Our hearts have to be open. But it's not by us. Not by us in any way. And then John goes on, not of the will of a man. Listen to me here. No man can save you. No man can save you no matter what they, what they do, who they are, what letters are behind their name, or who they're referred to as. They don't have the power to save. Only one. The one true light has the power to save. Let me just add, though, in this, that um, we can sure pray for an individual, can we? We can, we can sow a seed, and we can water it, fertilize it, and water it some more, and we can check on it and pray for it. And those are all great things. Things that we should do. But no person has the power to give salvation. Only through the Lord. And only the Lord has the power to do that. You see, John adds just a few words at the end of this sentence. But of God. But of God. He says, the question of how to be born again is answered in just a few words simply means the power to produce the new birth rests only with God. Not with anybody or anything, but with God. But with God. See, it's your choice to accept Him or not. I know you already all know that. But John makes a pretty big point about this, and so as believers... We need to make sure we never stray from the one true light and the knowledge that it's only because of Him that we have salvation. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing we may have life in His name. It is in Him that we are born again. As we have closed out 2020, we've closed out another Advent season. It uh, reminds me of change. There's been a lot of change in our world. If you've been uh, part of Beecher Island for a while, 
There's been some change around here. My prayer is that the change that's happened around here has been good change. And that it will continue, uh, if we do change more, that it will be good and always of Him. You know, change can come in many different forms and sizes and the way it looks. But when we get to verse 14, the world gets to experience a change like never before. An amazing change. The biggest change that this world has ever experienced. And the, world be and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw His glory. Glory as the one and only Son from the Father. Full of grace and truth. We talked last week about the Son being with the Father from all eternity. He had been with Him from all eternity and John is making the point that He is the Son of God and now He comes in the flesh. He came to this world in the flesh for the first time. God has come to this world in the flesh and the Word says that He dwelt among us. When you start digging into this word dwelt, it's a pretty amazing word. It really hit me this week, and I hope that I can portray it as much of it hammered on my heart. Uh, see, this word can be translated as tabernacle or pitched as tent. See, the body of Jesus was the tent. The body of Jesus was the, the tabernacle in which God came and lived amongst us. He came and, and tabernacled for 33 years. So they get into it even more when we look at the Old Testament. We know that, that God instructed Moses to, to build a, a portable sanctuary in which it was to house the, the Ark of the Covenant. A tabernacle. But even more than that, it can be defined as a place of worship. One true light came in the flesh, dwelt among us. A place of worship. Are we there? See, I, I go to Exodus 33, 7 through 11, and it brings it all together for me. Of who the Son of God is. Exodus 33, 7 through 11 says this. So it was whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people rose and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it come to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked with Moses. All the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door. And all the people rose and worshipped, each man in his tent door. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face, as a man speaks to his friend. <laughs> That's what Jesus did. He came in tabernacle, 
so that he could speak to his people face to face. Hey, here. Just as a man speaks to his friend. Before this, no man could see the face of God. And now, man can stand face to face with the Son of God and talk to him as a man talks to his friend. Guys, we get that privilege too. We get that privilege too. We can speak to Jesus through prayer. We can know that he walked this earth and dwelt among us. He tabernacled. How much better does it get? These things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. I might invite the music team up. I want to tell you today that God loves you. God loves each and every one of you more than you could ever imagine. Because He loves you so much that He sent His one and only Son to come to this world and live with us. Understand what it's like to live in the flesh with all of its pressures and its impurities and everything else. But He was perfect. Perfect. And He showed us how imperfect we are. So that we can know that we need Him. We need Him. It says that He was full of grace and truth. And I just want to tell you that that grace is poured out on all of us because of our imperfections. See, when you come and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that grace is poured out on you in fullness. And in that, you are forgiven of everything. Thank you, Lord. And you shine white as snow to our God. Forgiven and given the promise of a home of everlasting life. Not because of us, not because we've done anything, but all because of the one true life. All because of Christ. Jesus came to this earth to shine his light on every person. Talking to them face to face, calling them to him, saying, come and accept me. And when we come and accept him, it's all over. Then we are forgiven. Then we have the assurance of a home with him forever. All we have to do is acknowledge. It's simple. Just acknowledge Him as Christ, as the Son of God, and we will have life in His name. So today, if you have not done that, I encourage you to do that today. I encourage you, if you have something heavy on your heart, that you give it up to Him today. To let it go. Give it to Him because of that grace and truth that He pours out on you. Let His light shine on you. And in return, shine His light. Let's go to Him in prayer. Father God, I thank You for today. I thank You 
that you came to this earth to walk, to live, to be perfect. And you shine so bright in the darkness. And I thank you for that. I thank you that you show me and all of us that we are so imperfect. And I'm okay with that because you also gave us an answer to it. You also gave us you. And so in that we can have true life. When we accept you. Man, I thank you for that, God. I thank you that you gave an answer. A perfect sacrifice. You died for us so we can be forgiven. God, I pray that if anybody's struggling with that this morning, they just they just soften their heart. Oh, it's you. Anybody struggling with sin, Lord, this morning, I just pray that soften their heart call out to you. God, if anybody needs prayers this morning, I want them to know that we're here for them. We're here to pray with them. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need anything, we'll be in the back. Stand and sing with them.